So I thought we would try something different for today's podcast. Um, as always, I'm joined by ASN Regulatory and Quality Officer David White. Hi, David. Hey, Todd. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. We're also joined by ASN Manager of Congressional Affairs, Zach Cribbs. Hey, Zach. Todd, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, so for today's discussion, I thought we would start with you, Zach, and just get a sense as to what you think is going to happen between now and the end of the year in terms of the congressional activity. So um, you oversee what we do um, with the House and the Senate. Just curious as to what you see, and then as we think about next year, what we should be worried about. So what, what are the priorities for Congress over the next couple of weeks? Thanks, Todd. Yeah, I, I, I think that to understand the next couple of weeks, we really do need to understand the election. Um, and I don't think we want to go too deep into this, um, but I, I think the, the first thing to really understand is the, the Senate has, I think at this point, pretty securely been called for Democrats. Um, they're expected to maintain at least a 50-seat um, um, majority uh, because the vice president, um, Kamala Harris, um, is a tiebreaker. Um, they may actually even gain seats over um uh, they're, they're standing in the 117th Congress that we are concluding this year. Um, and so I think with this extra advantage in the Senate and at least security that Democrats have that they will um, remain at, at the, with the same majority, they're going to focus a lot less of their time on Senate uh, or in the Senate on judicial nominations, which they were really gearing up to do for the remainder of this lame duck period. Um, and I think we'll see them probably focus a little bit more on the policy agenda of the, the White House. Um, and really trying to do everything they can to set themselves up um, to be in a good place um, for the next Congress. Um, on the flip side of this, the House of Representatives um, is still being um, decided. I think it's um, very likely, um, and I think it's actually being called this morning, um, as of the time of this recording, that the Republicans are gaining control of the chamber. Um, they're going to have um, probably around 221 seats, um, I, I think is what we're expecting. Um, so a very small majority. Um, I think this will um, mean that during the lame duck, again, Democrats will have a little extra energy to really get across um, all of these big priorities that may not be possible with a divided government. Uh, so I, I think we've seen things in the news about the um, um, debt ceiling and allowing um, the government to borrow more money. Um, I think we're also going to see Democrats really want to try and wrap up appropriations for fiscal year 2023 this, this fall and not leave it over to the next Congress. Uh, and we may see some additional priorities that the, the White House signals as well as um, th that are important. Zach, from the perspective of, of kidney health policy, what are some of the potential issues? So you mentioned appropriations. So appropriations would cover funding for the National Institutes of Health, funding for the Food and Drug Administration, the CDC, the Department of Veterans Affairs, um, the Health Resources and Services Administration, beyond appropriations for kidney X. some other. Also funding for Kidney X. Um, thank you for calling me on that. So what do you, let's just start there. What do you <laughs> think is likely to happen with Kidney X funding? So Kidney X funding um, was proposed in fiscal year two, 2023, which is, again, the, the fiscal year we are currently in. The fiscal year doesn't match up exactly with the calendar year. Um, and uh, the, the funding proposed was at $5 million, which was consistent for this fiscal year 2023, which was consistent with the year previous. So Kitty Act is actually in a really good spot. I think no matter um, 
how much of an increase the um, uh, House and Senate agree to for appropriations, there will be a consistent $5 million for kidney acts. Um, I think similarly for some of the other programs we care a lot about, such as research at the NIH, specifically the NIDK, um, chronic disease surveillance at the Centers for Disease Control, um, and uh, making sure the FDA has a strong uh, regulatory approval pipeline. Um, I, all of that funding, I think, will possibly maybe not get as much of an increase as Democrats were hoping for. Um, but I, I do think Democrats are going to push to have it hue as close to those numbers as possible. Um, I think the big open question right now is COVID funding. Uh, the Biden administration, I think, is preparing um, for, for the last that I read, a $10 billion um, COVID relief request for this fiscal year. Um, this is tricky because the next year, again, with Republicans in control of the House, I think they're not going to want to spend a lot of money on COVID, if, if any, um, and maybe even try and claw back some of the money that's already been spent on COVID. Um, so I, the White House really has one shot here to kind of get all the funding they need for the next two years um, for COVID policy um, and COVID safety. So it sounds like, from an appropriations perspective, the, the issue is going to be around amounts of funding and then also the issues around funding for COVID-19 policies. Beyond these, I know one of the big issues for the kidney community is a legislative solution to the decision by the Supreme Court in Marietta versus DeVita. Where do you see that headed in this Congress? That's a very interesting question, Todd. I, and I actually want to broaden this a little bit. Um, so the, for the avid listeners of this podcast, um, will know that the Supreme Court changed policy um, in uh, June that um, changes the way Medicare um, and private payers pay for the coverage, primarily for dialysis, but for kidney failure more broadly. Um, I think this issue is actually alongside a number of other Medicare payment issues that Congress is considering. Um, and there's a lot of pressure being put on Congress uh, by uh, professional societies in particular uh, to address some of these um, essentially payment cuts that physicians are facing. Um, and I think uh, David will have some more insight too into um, kind of the ins and outs of some of these Medicare policies. The long and short of it is Congress is getting a lot of pressure to fix some things that are broken in the Medicare system, or at least that were, uh, physicians are telling Congress are broken in the Medicare system in terms of payment. But these fixes are going to be expensive. Um, so I think that the um, uh, legislation that would address the Supreme Court decision, um, if it is scored as a saver, which is um, still something that is being decided by the Congressional Budget Office, I, I think I would expect to see um, those three policies, combination of these policies, move together. Um, in a, an end-of-year Medicare um, payment package. Uh, but uh, the writing is still not on the wall. I, I think there there is a lot of um, um, dusting that um, both Democrats and Republicans are doing after the election to see kind of where all the cards are falling. Um, so this is still very much an open question. Um, and again, another important reason for um, our members and for the physician um, and health professional community at large to continue to pressure Congress um, into creating a solution to these payment cuts. You said something there that I, I uh, you know, I'm interested in and um, just wanted to ask you about because 
uh, you and I both have been dealing with this for quite some time. There's been a set of Medicare physician fee schedule cuts and also clinical labor cuts that are getting to be pretty severe because of other things that are gone up so much within the uh, the Medicare fee, uh, physician fee schedule that kind of force other things to be cut because of budget neutrality. Um, do you think that there's a chance that they Congress will act like they did two years ago to delay those cuts again? If you if you were a betting man, and do you think there's ever going to be a time when Congress might reexamine the budget neutrality side of what they created for Medicare? Two very big questions. Um, this is frankly not a bet I'd like to take um, or, or really put any odds on. Um, okay. I, I think a mathematician would say uh, the, the odds of anything happening are 50-50. Um, however, um, I do think it's very unlikely for budget neutrality to be um, um, done away with uh, by a Republican-led Congress. I don't think it's going to be it's such a big policy that I don't think there's going to be time for this to happen in the lame duck either. So I, I could be surprised. I could be very wrong on this, but I, I don't expect the budget neutrality to be um, revisited anytime soon. Um, I do think, again, there is a lot of pressure on Congress right now to address the physician payment cuts. I think if you speak to um, anyone who's working in a hospital setting, um, they'll tell you about how understaffed they are. If you talk to anyone working in a dialysis clinic, they'll tell you the same the same issue. Um, these labor shortages are a very real thing, um, and they are starting to impact care. And uh, Congress really wants to be responsive to this. So I, I do see that there's a lot of interest in pulling together a package. Um, there is legislation, a couple pieces of legislation that are out there right now that would address some of these payment cuts. Um, the Really, the question is how much leadership decides to prioritize this. And, and frankly, we just haven't had enough time between the election and now to see where leadership is um, uh, moving on this, how they're thinking about this issue. Thanks. Thanks for that. So, David, shifting from the legislative branch of the government to the, the, the regulatory branch, what do you or I guess the executive branch, but regulatory policy, what do you see is likely to happen over the next couple of weeks and months? Well, Zach, just he was spot on in what he was saying just now. Zach, I mean, we are we are definitely seeing a lot of concern from, from ASN members about where the labor shortages um, and just overall workforce issues are beginning to impact um, the system. And we're, we're seeing some real significant problems, particularly in dialysis facilities, uh, about expanding capacity for increased number of incident patients, uh, and those who might have AKI, um, who are in the hospital and they're trying to discharge them, um, with coverage and in center somewhere. And that's just, it's really beginning to get very tight. And the thing that's a problem is Zach is absolutely right. I don't see Congress changing the budget neutrality piece to this, but the catch is the way the whole, both the whole physician fee schedule is structured and the Medicare um, ESRD benefit is structured, uh, it's just not agile enough to handle the massive inflation uh, of both just, in, of, of everything and also of labor cost. And it's it's kind of like reaching, you know, reaching a breaking point. And, you know, we're all trying to have that conversation about if Congress fixes it, that's great. If they don't fix it, what can uh, CMS do? And that's something that's still being really investigated. 
I wouldn't take anything off the table. Um, so that's, that's really kind of, uh, I know that's just kind of like, uh, kind of vague, but right now, uh, Zach is right that the real power is in Congress to, to do something to fix this problem. Um, and there's far less authority on the, the regulatory side to do anything absent of that support from Congress. You know, David, you, you really remind me of a, a third point. I, I think that's both important for Congress's activity and also the regulatory agencies, agencies' activity. What is the White House's position on this? Where Where is President Biden and his cabinet on, on some of these issues? I, I think their direction is really going to be important um, for both House and Senate um, Democrats in particular. And, of course, it's going to be important for the regulatory agencies um, as, as Biden is their direct boss. Um, so um, I think really understanding where they fall on some of these issues and where they prioritize it in um, kind of the, the, the kitchen cabinet of all these other things going on in America, I think that will continue to be a, a really important signal for how this um, gets done. And Todd, you jump, feel free to jump in here with me because we know what I'm going to say first and foremost is you're not going to see any significant changes in the way Medicare or HHS is being run. Um, Republicans in the House might want to in, in make some changes, but the administration itself, uh, barring that, is not going to be interested in doing uh, an about face on pretty much any of the things they've done, which is really focus in on equity and really try to examine how how HHS and the healthcare system really does meet the needs of everybody or, or doesn't meet the needs of everybody. Where are those gaps and how to fix them? So that's going to continue to be a very big issue. Um, and we're going to see, I think, even more of that. And we've, we've seen it in the, in the last year or so um, that we're looking at just a, a whole set of uh, levers that the administration is trying to pull to make sure that they address equity and that we really are talking about making sure that uh, uh, you know the, the care is affordable. As you know, there was a big jump in the in the Affordable Care Act market uh, of those plans. Um, there's been a big jump in Medicare Advantage uh, plans that are available. Um, and even as you and I were just talking the other day, there's been increased interest once again from Senate Democrats about kind of overseeing what Medicare Advantage is doing in practice. So um, there's a lot there that I think we're going to continue to see really being dug into deeper by the administration. So if I try to pull some of these threads together, it seems like over the next couple of weeks, the lame duck Congress from the 117th Congress, as they finish up with the Democrats having the majority in, in both the House and the Senate, granted they're thin majorities, but they do have a majority in both. They're going to try to focus on the debt ceiling so that they have, they're not, that's not something that has to be dealt with in the future and getting appropriations for fiscal year 2023 completed. And as Zach said, the fiscal year started, uh, October 1st, um, and goes through the end of September of next year. That, that's FY 2023 from a federal perspective. And then there may be a couple of other priorities. And one of the issues will be how the potential legislative solution to the decision in, in Marietta versus Davida, um, if that if that projection is is positive, then that may be something that gets over the finish line. We didn't have time to talk about the Living Donor Protection Act, but that's another issue that, that potentially could be addressed. 
But then as we step back and we start thinking about next year when there's going to be a split, so a, a Democrat in the White House, Democrats with a thin control in the, in the Senate and Republicans with a thin control in the House, um, the big issue is going to be around the Medicare program, what budget neutrality is going to look like in the sense of that there seems to be, with the inability to, to spend more in the sort of Medicare arena, real challenges, particularly with labor shortages among health professionals, but, but other issues. And then the administration, the Biden administration's focus on health care equity and sort of further expansion of the Affordable Care Act. Is that a reasonable, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you first, David, and then Zach, you know, how would you react to that quick summary of the discussion thus far? I think it's I think it's pretty spot on, and I think I think it's it's an accurate uh, outline of kind of where we're going. Um, Zach might have some other additions to it. I I think really uh, on my side over here in the regulatory space, we in the next couple of weeks we're going to see CMS watching very closely what Congress does to figure out what its what its direction is going to be um, as as this Congress winds up and if it does address any of these particular issues. And if not, then we're going to be having some pretty, you know, hearty and healthy conversations uh, within uh, the HHS system um, about some of these these issues. Uh, how about you, Zach? I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the next couple of years are really going to be interesting um, because of the structure of Congress. We're, I, I believe, we're really going to have two years of essentially a lame duck um, um, Congress. Uh, and I, I think a lot is riding on how the White House um, decides to shift its priorities, if at all. Um, this is very common after a midterm that the, the White House will respond the way they do policy to make sure they have the best chance of winning the next election. Um, and, and I think that's going to be on the minds of just um, everybody um, in, the, in the Democratic caucus broadly. Um, and look no further than the Senate, right? In the Senate in 2024, Democrats are defending 21 seats. Uh, many of them in deeply red states. Um, if you look at Republicans, they're only defending 10 seats. Their most competitive seat right now is probably in Texas. So there, there's going to be a lot of um, interest on, on both sides of the partisan landscape to show that they're doing um, as much as they possibly can for voters, really making that case again for 2024. Um, but at the same time, um, the actual structures of how they go about doing this um, is going to be challenging because there is shared power. Um, but I, I do want to leave on a, a hopeful note. I think there's a lot of opportunity here for um, people who care about kidney health. Uh, kidney health is a very bipartisan issue, and I think that there's going to be a lot of appetite for some of these bipartisan and nonpartisan issues um, in Congress. Uh, and I think while the administration is um, definitely Democratic, I think that they will be looking also for areas where they can have kind of quick wins. Um, so if we can line up support, um, behind some of these many um, priorities of ASN and the four priorities of the United for Kidney Health campaign, I think we'll be in a good spot. I agree, Doc. Well said. Well, thank you, Zach, for joining us. And David, as always, thank you for uh, continuing our ongoing conversation about these issues. I really appreciate it. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment 
of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare professional if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.